0: This morning we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. If you're there or it'll be up on the board, just follow along with me as we... We'll just read the whole chapter and then we'll go through it. Here's what God's Word says. Now about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone thinks he knows anything, he does not yet know it as he ought to know it. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. How about about eating food sacrificed to idols then? We know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no God but one. For even if we, uh, sorry, for even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father. All things are from him and we exist for him. There is one Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. All things are through him, and we exist through him. However, not everyone has this knowledge, and some have been used to idolatry up until now, and when they eat food sacrificed to an idol, their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not bring us close to God, and we're not worse off if we don't eat, and we're not better off if we do eat. But be careful that this right of yours in no way becomes a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you, the one who has knowledge, dining in an idol's temple, won't his weak conscience be encouraged to eat food offered to idols? So the weak person, the brother or sister for whom Christ died, is ruined by your knowledge. Now, when you sin like this against brothers and sisters and wound their weak conscience, are, uh, you are sinning against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother and sister to fall, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not, so I won't cause my brother or sister to fall. Let's pray. Father God, hearing your word this morning, um, I, I imagine there's some of us in here that probably wonder, like, what does this have to do with me, and how can this impact me today? And Um, but Father God would you with your Holy Spirit just come and be present in every single one of our lives would you speak to us Father God as only you can and uh, Lord I'm reminded that I stand here and um, I'm a part of what happens today and so I pray that everything that happens be glorifying and honoring to you as we just got done singing and giving and celebrating you Lord we're reminded that you are worthy of of glory. And we love to glorify you. And so I pray that this would be glorifying to you. And Father, would you speak to us? Give us ears to hear and a heart that's open and a mind that will receive what you would teach us today. And then make us different and change us. Help us to follow Jesus better because we've been here in your presence this morning with our brothers and sisters. And Father, would you uh, just help us in our hearts to be ready. So Forgive us of our sins and cleanse us. I ask for myself, Father, that uh, I would just be a vessel, and ambassador for you today. Um, We love you, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for Jesus, the one true Lord and Savior, the one mediator that we have between you and us. And that's all we need is Jesus. So it's in his name we pray. Amen. We have freedom in christ that's a glorious truth in scripture we have freedom in christ galatians 5 1 reminds us that christ has set us free free from the bondage of sin bondage of following the laws and so we have freedom many people think that god is this cosmic killjoy (laughs) he's been called that just wants who wants to take all the fun out of your life Like everything that you find joyful, he just wants to, no, you can't do that, and you can't do this, and he's going to take everything away. That can't, there's there's nothing that's further from the truth, because God actually, like a loving Father, wants you to experience joy and blessings in life. He's not a cosmic killjoy. There are a lot of things that he tells us not to do, but you know what? It's for our own good. It's not for our harm. It's not because he wants to squash all fun. Um, The reality is that things of the world lead us to bondage and not freedom. Christ sets us free. The world tries to keep us in bondage. So let me give you a couple of examples, if I could. Sexual relations outside of marriage can be physically enjoyable. That's the truth. We're not going to say anything else. You You can do drugs and alcohol and probably have a good time. That's probably the truth, but I want to tell you the rest of the story. These will ultimately lead you to destruction and harm. Ultimately, might be temporarily fun, but they will ultimately lead you to bondage. God allows us tremendous freedoms and joys in life, but He puts parameters on them for our own good, right? He gives us physical uh, physical blessings in marriage. Amen. All the, all the married people said, I say hallelujah, amen, right? I mean, I, can, I enjoy that aspect of my marriage, amen? But listen, and, and, God, and so God wants us to enjoy that because it's tremendously wonderful. But outside of the parameters that God sets up for us, he's, he, it says he's, it's harmful and it's going to lead you to problems. So don't do it. He's not trying to kill all your fun, right? Are you with me? It's like a, a parent. Listen, parents, I, take any food you want. Your five-year-old wants a piece of fudge, right? And within the parameters of one piece of fudge, that can be wonderful and they can enjoy it and they can eat it fast or they can eat it slow and they can just, oh, that's so wonderful. But what if, what if you give them the whole pan? That's gonna ultimately lead to, them being really sick, isn't it? See, that's what God says. God says there's some things in life that you can enjoy, and they're wonderful, and they're blessings. But if you do them in the wrong way, or you, you know, you have too many alcohol, too much alcohol, or things like that, it can lead to to problems. Are you with me? So we're we're trying to just set the uh, set the boundaries and set the principles that this text leads us through. And so God is is that loving parent that wants. Our good, not our harm. So when we're looking at things about trying to decide, is this sinful or is this something that I should still do? I'm a fairly new believer and I'm not sure, like some of the things that I do in my life, is that, does that honor God or not? That's where this church was at. And so Paul in this letter is trying to help them through God's uh, loving them, say, hey, listen, here's some things you can do and here's some things that you can't do. There are some things that are obvious, and some things that are not so obvious. If we say the obvious things, I kind of call them kind of like black and white areas. Let me give you a couple examples. Um, should you? You can, answer, you can answer me out loud. I, I don't, uh, you know, we're not a judgmental place here. So here's a couple of examples. Is it right for you to go to Walmart and just steal a 75-inch TV? Oh, no? Oh, okay, well, okay. I, didn't sh- I wasn't sure where we are going to go with that. But okay, that's good. I'm glad you're on the... So how about, is it okay to, let's say, burn your neighbor's house down because they keep playing music really loud? No. Okay. All right. So that's good. We're doing pretty good, church. I like this. Um, is it okay to, to uh, murder somebody that cuts you off in traffic? Okay. Now, some of you had to think about that a little too long. <laughs> Come on now. Okay. So, no, so those are, those are kind of like black and white areas, right? We don't have to, like, worry about that. I'm not going to walk out here, and as I'm walking to my car today, if somebody comes up and says, hey, man, you want to you know buy some heroin? I'd be like, oh, gosh, let me think about that, right? I don't have to, that's not a struggle for me. But there are some areas in our lives, we can call them kind of gray areas. Maybe those are kind of difficult for us, and maybe we struggle with some things, right? Like, Hey, can the preacher wear jeans? Well, right? We can, we can have a debate on that. Can the, can, what kind of music can we listen to in our car while we're, you know, driving around? Does it have to be Christian music or can it be something else? Like, I don't know why you would ever listen to country or whatever, but I mean, you know... <laughs> Uh-oh, I felt that. I felt that people, come on. All right, no. I just right there are some things. What about what about drinking alcohol? What about listen, when we leave here today, it's Sunday, it's the Lord's day. Is it okay to go out to eat and cause other people to work? I've I've had people that have a problem with that, right? So there's some issues like that that we can decide, well, these are I don't know. I don't know where God stands on this. Well, If you're a brand new believer and you're trying to work through some of these things, it can be a problem if you see other believers doing things. That's exactly where we are in this text in chapter 8 that we read just a little bit ago because you're sitting there thinking, well, uh, uh, eating meat offered to idols isn't an issue for us, but there are a lot of issues that we can think about that we do need to be mindful of. And we could go on and on with examples, but in our passage... There are questions about buying and eating food offered to idols. And uh, even though we don't deal with that today, we, we can think about that. So look back at verse 1. I want to set the, the, whole, uh, the whole context of this chapter. Is helped, uh, it's defined by us, for us, in, in verse 1. It really is helpful because Paul says this now about food, sacrifice to idols. And this was a problem for them in this, in this church, in this culture. We know that we all have knowledge, but knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So here's the principle that we're gonna look at as we walk through the rest of this chapter and think about knowledge. A lot of us have a lot of knowledge, and so we're thinking, listen, I, I know uh, I've prayed through this, and I've looked at scripture, and I know the answers to all these gray area things, um, but some people don't. Are you with me? Some people don't. And they, they don't know, so they might be a weaker brother or a weaker sister. So how does your knowledge come through? Are you just supposed to be puffed up and be like, hey, I know the answers to all these gray area things, and I, you know, so just, you just stand back and watch me and listen to me. Is that how we're supposed to do it? Well, no. He says, listen, your, your, your knowledge can puff you up and make you be arrogant and prideful, and we know pride leads to sin and so we're like is that how you're supposed to be he says no listen instead of letting knowledge puff you up let love build up others that's the guiding principle that we go through are you with me let love let your love you might know more than the your, your brother or sister but it, when they're struggling don't just come in all haughty and proud and come in loving amen so that's the so we're going to talk about that as we go through uh, some of our freedoms and our preferences that we have and we can talk about. Um, so here's what I would say. We have freedoms and preferences, but this text is not about what's right and wrong. It's about how we show love. All right, we can have our rights and our preferences, and our freedoms, but this, that's not what this is about. This is about how we can show love. There's so many one another scriptures uh, in the Bible. I, one time I printed them all out and I had to fill the whole front of a page and the back of a page in about 10 point font. All these one another's in scripture. Love one another, help one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, and on and on and on, right? Part of this is just we love one another and we let that guide us through the rest of this. So look at verse 4. As we, um, it says, how about eating food sacrificed to idols then? We know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there's, and there is uh, no God but one. Amen. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. But why was that a problem for these people? Why was eating food offered to an idol problems for these people? Here's what would happen they, they worshipped all kinds of different idols and so they had all different kinds of temples and they had priests in each one of those temples and so they would bring, if they wanted to worship a certain uh, idol, they would bring, uh, kind of like the Israelites, uh, the, I mean the Jewish people did, they would bring an animal to the, to the temple and they would give that animal and so they would take that animal and they would burn a third of it to their idol. right? So we're talking about an idol is a, a god with a little g, right? They would burn it to the idol, the idol of the sun or, or uh, fertility or whatever you were worshiping. And A third of it would be burnt up to, the, to that person. A third of it you could eat uh, with your family in the temple as kind of a celebration because you brought the meat. And then a third of it would go to the priests. Well, there were so many different temples and so many different idols and so many different priests and people were buying, bringing all of these animals that the priests couldn't eat. All of that meat, and so what they did was they said, Hey, listen, we can make a little money. We'll have a little meat market out back behind the temple. So a third of it was burnt up, a third of it was celebrated by family and friends, and then a third of it was given to the priest. The priests didn't use it all, so they had a little discount meat market behind the temple. Are you with me? People back then couldn't maybe they couldn't afford meat like a lot of us did, so it was really tempting. To them, if they hey, wanted a good ribeye or whatever, I'll just go behind the temple and buy my cheap ribeye back there. Now I, I know it was offered to an idol, but I mean, hey, a buck's a buck, right? So, so these new believers are coming in and they're like, listen, I don't know what to do. right? I'm not, I'm not going to the temple anymore. I'm not bringing the offerings to those idols anymore. Is it okay for me to buy the cheap meat at the priest market behind the temple, okay? That's the question. There were, there were people struggling with this. And so that's, what, that's the foundation of, of this, and so they were struggling. So how do we deal with this? Is it okay for believers to do this? I'm gonna point out three quick principles on this, starting with verse seven. The first one is in verse seven. However, not everyone has this knowledge. So Paul's saying, look, they're... they're There are people that know more and they have more knowledge in the faith and some are weaker. It's okay. okay. But some have been so used to idolatry up until now that when they eat food that's sacrificed to idols, their conscience is just, you know, they don't understand that there's nothing to that idol and so it messes with their conscience. They're bothered by that and they feel defiled. They feel like they've sinned because they've eaten that meat sold at that market, okay? And so Paul's like, listen, you know that, that it doesn't matter. But it does matter because it's not about your knowledge, it's about your love. Are you with me? Verse one, right? You know it doesn't matter, but to them it matters. So to them, they're sinning. The second thing would be, oh, let me just not skip over this. Verse 8 says, some of us need to make a refrigerator magnet on this thing. I I just love this. Like, food will not bring us close to God. I I need that on my refrigerator. Amen. Okay, that's not really what it's talking about. What what it really really talks about is listen, you're not better off, you're not worse off, you're not better off. It's not gonna bring you, you know, to judgment or anything like that. But uh, okay, I was just trying to be funny. But here's my second principle, verse nine. But be careful that this right of yours, because you have knowledge, in no way becomes a stumbling block to the weak. So there's principle number two. We don't want to make, we want to make sure that their conscience isn't harmed and they think they sin, and then the next thing is you don't want to be a stumbling block to them. Um, You may know your rights, but we need to forego our rights because of love, because you're loving them. So you don't want to be a stumbling block. I could give us all kinds of examples, but I think you can think of some things. Like, what are some things that you do in your freedom that maybe you need to kind of be like, wow, I I really don't want my new brother or sister to sin or or be messed up, you know, like really confused. So uh, we don't want to harm their walk with Jesus, right? And so their conscience can be Bothered so that they think they sin or that it could be a stumbling block because they're like, man, I thought I I thought that guy was a strong believer, but he's doing this and I'm not sure about that. So that can be confusing. Now look at verse 10, 11 and 12. The third thing is this. For if someone sees you, the one who has knowledge dining in an idol's temple, right? So you go, you go at the little, uh, you go sit down at the little table and have a nice ribeye but they've been offering, you know, uh, meat and animals to idols for so long that it messes them up to see you out there enjoying that. And so um, won't his weak conscience be encouraged to eat food offered to idols? So the weak person, the brother or sister, uh, for whom Christ died is ruined. That word "ruined" means like dist- literally like destroyed or ruined. By your knowledge, Now, when you sin like this against brothers and sisters and wound their weak conscience, you are sinning against Christ. He's literally saying, listen, you, you know that it's okay to do that, but if it really derails their walk with Christ, right, it really just confuses them so much and they may, you know, they're not going to lose their salvation or anything like that, but they might walk away. From coming to church, coming to church with you, and they just, it's like, I'm just, I don't know, I just thought that guy was, but now I'm confused, and you don't want to, like, you're, it's not about your knowledge. It's about your what? Your love. It's About your love. You don't want to be p- proud and puffed up. It's about your love. So, let me finish with something a little bit more <laughs> enjoyable for us all right because i skipped over uh four five and six i want us to go back to that and celebrate that so um it would not be appropriate for me to have you know to uh open this up for questions or something but i hope i hope you understand because this is a difficult text thank you very much jeff um pastor jeff I'm, i'm really like look you can laugh about this but can you throw up verse 13 for a second I'm pretty sure this is why he refused to eat this. Not eat this, read this. Therefore, if food causes my brother or sister to fall, I will never eat meat again. I just don't think those words could come out of his mouth. So, all right, you can, Matt, you can edit that out later. No? (laughs) Okay. No, I'm just kidding you. But listen, uh, love, love is what's important, amen? For each other. To build up our our, our love for one another and the unity of our faith. So, let's jump back to some really glorious verses. Verse 4, it says this. How about about eating food offered to idols? Then we know that an idol is what? Nothing in the world. And there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as God... um, I lost my place. As there are many gods and many lords, people worship a lot of different things. Yet for us, there is one God, the Father. All things are from him, and we exist for him. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ. All things are through him, and we exist through him. Amen? Aren't you glad that you never put anything else in front of God? Amen? Aren't you glad that there's never anything in your life that goes in front of God the Father and Jesus Christ. Woo, we're so perfect in here, aren't we? We're so awesome because what happens is is we make idols all the time, don't we? Sometimes it's our spouse or our kids or our job or our fitness or our career or our 401k or whatever. We can put all kinds of things in front of God. And you know what? Our God is a big G God, Yahweh God, the one true God, the creator and sustainer of all things. And he has made you and created you and he lifts you up and helps you, he repairs you and he sets you firm on solid foundation, amen? Why do we run after little G gods that we make and we create and we have to prop up? There's a really cool story, and I'm going to do it really quick. It's out of 1 Samuel chapter 4 and 5, but we're going to read a couple verses. But here's the background to it. The children of Israel, they don't have a king yet, so they have the priest Eli. And Eli is uh, kind of ruling over and judging over the country, but he's getting old, and he's got two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and they're really depraved. They're, they're priests, but they're doing all kinds of horrific things, and God's going to judge them judge them and so Samuel the the prophet says listen Eli you need to you know repent and but God's not happy with what's going on but they just you know they don't pay attention they're they're fat and happy and life's going good and they're doing their thing and so the children of Israel who are used to victory victories all the time over their enemies they go and they fight against the Philistines and guess what happens they get whooped and 4,000 of their soldiers die in this first battle So they're like, whoa, this doesn't happen to us very often. We need to, let's get, let's have a little powwow. So they get together, they all stand around, and the Bible says literally this in chapter 4. So they asked themselves, why did God allow us to be defeated? They asked the wrong person, didn't they? They should have asked God. But they asked themselves. And then as they're doing this little powwow and they're thinking about it, they said, hey, I know, let's get the Ark of the Covenant. We'll go get the Ark of the Covenant, we'll put it before us in battle, and it will give us victory. Again, they're not asking God, they're making an idol out of this Ark of the Covenant which represented the presence of God, but it wasn't God. And so they said, let's do that. And so Hophni and Phinehas, being uh, kinda like the politicians that want recognition, they think, hey, we're on board for this, We're gonna be in the front and we're gonna have a victory. And so they go and they uh, attack the Philistines again and they get beat down again. And this time, 30,000 of them die. And Hophni and Phinehas die because God promised he was gonna kill them on the same day. And uh, a messenger runs to uh, to Eli, the, the priest, and he's sitting there. By this time, the Bible says he's fat and they come up and they said, hey, listen, a uh, couple things. Um, the Philistines beat us really badly. The Ark of the Covenant was captured and your sons Hophni and Phinehas have died. And the Bible says that Eli fell backwards off his stool and broke his neck and he died. And Phinehas's um, wife who was pregnant gave birth and named the son Ichabod which means the glory has departed Here the people of God instead of serving God and worshiping God they began serving other little idols And so it brings us to a really cool part in this story because the Philistines captured the ark of the covenant And in 1 Samuel chapter 5 verses 1 through 3 it says this After the Philistines had captured the Ark of God, they took it to uh, Ebenezer to Ashdod, from Ebenezer to Ashdod, and they brought it into the temple of their god, Dagon. It's not a doggone, it's a Dagon. And his wife was Ashereth, and that was another god they worshipped. But they took the Ark of the Covenant and they placed it by their god, Dagon, and his statue. And when the people of Ashdod got up early in the morning, there was Dagon, fallen down, prostrate, with his face on the ground before the Lord, before the ark of the Lord. Let's stop there for a second. You can read the rest, it's okay. We're gonna get there in a second. Isn't that crazy? They, they, were, they thought their God, Dagon, was gonna rule over the ark, and here's why. Oh, they, we defeated we defil- defeated the Israelites, and so what was normal would be to take something uh, from the, that other country and take it back to your temple, saying, our, our God is stronger than your God, right? So they took the Ark of the Covenant and placed it in the temple of their God, Dagon, saying, hey, <laughs> we've got your Ark. You guys are nothing. We do this all the time, right, in sports, uh, let's see, the Kansas City Chiefs won some little game or something, and they got a trophy, and they take it back to their, right, saying, hey, we beat you guys, right? College teams do it all the time. Down in Oklahoma, there was a Oklahoma and Texas, and it was a Red River rivalry, and they had this 10-gallon hat that whoever won got to take it back to their uh, their campus for the next year, right? We do things like that all the time. Well, they're like, hey, our God's better than your God, and so they put the Ark of the Covenant of God in their temple. And in the morning they wake up and Dagon is fallen down in a sense like laying prostrate before the Ark of the Covenant. Like, hey, I'm worshiping this. So here's what, here's what they did. They took Dagon and returned him to his place. They took their God and be like, oh gosh, we just, uh, uh. <laughs> wait a minute, this is what they worship. This is what they made out of wood or metal or steel or whatever, right? Gold, silver. They made Dagon. Are you with me, church? They made Dagon and then they repaired Dagon and they put him in his place and set him up and this is what they worship? Oh, it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of some of the things that We worship, because if we worship fitness, who, I I mean, I'm a stellar example of this, obviously, but uh, actually, the second part. What happens if we stop working out all the time and eating right? See, if we worship fitness, we're the ones that have to maintain that, don't we? If you worship your career, guess what happens if you just stop showing up to work? Right? Right? You're the one that has to maintain that. Your 401k, like, you're the one that has to keep putting money in and spending it wisely or not, right? I, whatever it is, your house, your car, you're the one that has to keep it clean and buff it and wax. Like, you, you worship your car, right? My son, when he was 16, he had the money. He was a hard worker, and he bought a little Mitsubishi Eclipse, and he loved that car, and I had to remind him, I'm like, John, that's, that's not you. That's just a thing, right? But we all do this. We all struggle with this. So he had to keep washing it and cleaning it and changing the oil and putting air in the tire, right? That's what we have to do. If we, why, so folks, just like this story, why do we worship things that we have to prop up and build and keep going? Here's the rest of the story, this verse four. This will, this will end it. But when they got up early the next morning, see, the first morning he's laying down, right, worshiping the Ark of the Covenant of God. So they stood him back up. They all go to bed. The next morning they wake up early in the morning and there was Dagon falling with his face to the ground before the Ark of the Lord. But this time Dagon's head and both of his hands were broken off and he was lying at the threshold. So they had to repair him and put him back in place. Listen, we worship the one true God and he's the one that made us. See, we take our God, we have to make him, we have to keep him going, we have to repair him, we have to stand him up, we have to you know, keep him looking good. God is the one that made us and he's the one that repairs us and he stands us up on firm ground and he's the one that helps us when we need it, Amen? Why would we worship anything but him? Why would we worship anything but him? I want you to just think now, as the praise team's going to come, I just want you to give, give you an opportunity to respond, because here's, here's the thing. What, what's, what's your next step? As we've been going through this and you're like, hey, I don't have any problem with, you know, uh, eating meat, worship to idols. but you know, there are some things that I kind of I feel like Maybe the Lord has spoke to me about this morning. Maybe I have propped up something in my life that I need to put God in front of. I I don't know what God's saying to you this morning, but what's your next step? Some of you, uh, we always offer the uh, the altar to be open, these chairs up front. You can come down and just deal with God, with somebody that would be glad to talk to you. I'm gonna head to the back. Um, But if you wanna come, you can... You can come, I'll be in the back if you want to talk to me, but some of you maybe have realized right now that you're your own God or you've put something else in front of God and maybe you haven't ever even made the decision to trust in Jesus and follow him for the first time. There's one name that you just need to call on, have faith in Jesus and he'll set you free. He'll cleanse you and make you whole, forgive you of your sins. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, the Bible says. Maybe some of you have found out you're just kind of going along through life and all of a sudden you realize, boy, I've kind of put God, I've kind of made God an idol and I'm kind of using him and I've put other things in front. Maybe you just need to get that fixed. Would you take the time this morning before you head out and get busy with your life again to to make that right and put God number one? You want to join our church family? We'd love to, have you we can talk to you about that whatever it is if you need to pray for someone or or yourself the altar is open whatever God has called you to do would you do it this morning Father God would you just help us to be bold and courageous and to follow you with everything we have who else are we going to go to God are we going to go to someone that we have to keep propped up or are we going to follow you, the one true God, the creator and stainer of all of us? Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for him dying on the cross for us. Would you just be moving in, your, in this place, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Would you move in Jesus' name. Amen. If God calls you to go, you go.